0: This is the Larry and Fishers dot com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon, and it's an honor to have Matthew Sosi with us today. He's a radio personality at WFYI. He's the host of the Blues House Party Saturday nights, eight o'clock. He's also, uh, that's on WFYI Radio. He's also home uh a host of the film sociology. And he's back again as host of the Fishers Blues Fest coming up uh this coming weekend, Saturday fourth and fifth, we're recording this on September first. Uh, each night starts at seven o'clock. So, Matthew Sosie, thank you uh, so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, uh, pleasure to be here, Larry. Thanks for asking.
0: Well, you obviously are a lover of the blues. By the way, how many years is this now that you've emceed uh, this event? Oh
1: my gosh, this is um three. three okay, four. <laughs>
0: Well, that's close um, enough. <laughs> that's
1: no, right. it's, well, and I, you know, I have to say, this is this is the first uh, MCing gig I've had since the world became a petri dish. So I'm really excited to be outside and seeing folks and hearing some hearing some quality music in front of me as opposed to a screen.
0: Exactly, and and there are going to be some restrictions as a result of that. We'll talk about that later. But but you obviously have a love of the blues. You host a blues radio show. You've been involved with the Blues Fest here in Fishers. Tell me where that comes from.
1: Well, I uh, I I grew up in Flint, Michigan, and that's another podcast for another time. But um, there, were, I remember there was a rock station that would play one blues song every night at ten forty. And my my older brother, I, had a, I have a brother who's six years older than me. And uh, with 70s rock radio, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of Springsteen and ZZ Top and the Stones and Zeppelin. And out of nowhere, you would hear Muddy Waters or Lightning Hopkins or John Lee Hooker. And that so that was the kind of beginning of that. I remember in the early incarnations of MTV, which I believe I think is an underrated venue as far as discovering blues artists because you know in the early 80s they needed something anything for content so you got videos by stevie ray vaughn and the fabulous thunderbirds and robert cray and george Thorogood, and clapton and i think that opened up a a, a wider audience for those guys i had a blue show when i was at college at the ball state university at wcrd and uh I started writing about blues music when I was living in the Chicago suburbs back in nineteen ninety-five. I did I also freelanced for some publications, but it was in anyway, it was it, it, it resonated with me. It's I'm I'm one of those guys that it's if you like this music, then it eventually goes back to the roots of, of American blues in one way, shape, or form.
0: I have a brother that lives in Memphis, Tennessee. Ah and every time I go down there with immediately we go down to Beale Street. And yep. the best music on Beale Street is not in the clubs. It's a W.C. Handy Park. And for those who don't know, <laughs> yeah. Handy is credited as being the father of the blues. There's a big statue of him there. But those bands play for tips, and that's the best music in town. Have you ever yeah, been, I, have you been to Memphis to experience oh, that? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, my, uh, my wife and I went down there, oh, gosh, over a decade ago. And, yeah, I remember seeing um, – the Dempsey's and biscuit in the mix who I'm, I've been friends with biscuit Miller for years and years. And he would happen to be playing down there at BB Kings and Eric Hughes was playing at the pig. And uh, I remember uh, there was a place called wild bills in North Memphis. And that was one where the, the band was the North Hollywood all stars and they were all Memphis guys. And you know, they, they could play around Memphis every day of the week and uh it was an old school venue where you had the the refrigerator door the refrigerator door for the beer had the big truck handle looking thing to open and beers came in two sizes 24 ounce bottles and 40 ounce bottles and uh you know but this this was one of the best bands they were tighter than a witch's elbow when i saw them perform that night in wild bills so yeah memphis memphis is a lot of fun i i miss i miss i need to get back there one of these days
0: (laughs) And one thing about the blues, and it's like a lot of other music genres, it's not one type of blues. You talk about Memphis, uh, there's a New Orleans version of the blues. And of course, this year in the Blues Fest of Fishers, uh, you look at the lineup, it looks very Chicago-centric to me, which is a specific type uh, of blues music. Tell us what to expect.
1: Well, your your two headliners are both uh, from Chicago, both on Alligator Records. You have a uh, Toronzo Cannon, who is and his band, The Chicago Way. It is, it is, he's also the bus driver of the blues. He's he actually drives the city of Chicago public bus when he's not performing. So he'll tell you to sit down, exact change, get to the back, you know, <laughs> that that sort of thing. Um, but no, Teronzo. is a really, really good guy, and and I've seen him play in Chicago. And I saw I saw him last time I was in New York. He was playing at BB King, so I got to see him there. And uh, so anytime it's to get him down in Indiana is very good. And then uh, Saturday night is Nick Moss and the Flip Tops. And Nick and I are I think similar in age, and so I remember him as a as a <clears throat> something guitar slinger in the nineties when I was living in the, in the, I lived in the Western suburbs of Chicago from 95 to 99. And he was one of the young lions there. Then again, you could be 50 in blues and still be considered a newcomer. So that's, you know, that's, that's not bad. But, uh, but these guys learned from the legends or, you know, guys who either played with the legends or the legends themselves. And, and there, there's a handful of them still up there. Guys like, uh, jimmy johnson who just won a living blues music award john primer who was in muddy water's last band you know billy boy arnold's still up there jimmy burns is still there buddy is still up there so anyway it's it's a direct link to chicago blues history and these guys are still creating their own path
0: well my wife and i have been to most of the blues fest usually one of the two nights uh we, we always loved to go never seen a bad act there loved them all uh, I was going to ask you a question you probably already answered but maybe you can expand a little bit some of your your they fav- they actually looking forward to hearing again.
1: Oh, I see now you see I let's go through the lineup shall we? That way I don't get I you was uh, <laughs> let me just
0: let me just do it uh, Friday night we got Kyle Bledsoe.
1: Yeah, Kyle's a really good singer-songwriter. He's one of those guys that can play anything so and uh he plays all course, all sorts of venues blues and otherwise so you're in you're in for a good evening
0: there agents of redemption
1: and they they played with paul linden last year if i remember correctly these 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 this is another group of guys that are they're capable of anything what i what i like about the lineup as well is um you and and it's kind of what i do with uh with my programming it's it's not picked by a computer it's not picked by a focus group Um, You you generally don't know what you're going to hear next. And I think that these guys are are great examples of that. And then you got Tad Robinson, who is one of the best singers and harmonica players of any genre, of any anywhere, period. I, I, I hold Tad that high in regards. A man who can do Chicago blues and stack soul and can sing as good as anybody else and blow harmonica as good as anybody else. Actually, actually, I just talked to him an hour before uh, we we started chatting. Uh, Taranzo I've talked about. John Ford is a really cool acoustic player from, I I believe it's Ohio. Hi, John. Um, Or as I often say for you film nerds out here, not that guy. (laughs) The other john ford exactly yeah. and then you got paul linden and the ice men they will come um so paul's been on the on the program before and then um who am i missing
0: uh nikki crawford
1: oh nikki j Craw- yes i played her on the show last week really cool soul singer and uh nice to have a lady in the uh, sausage fest that festivals can be <laughs> that's 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 anybody's festival guys. It's not just you. And then of course, uh, Nick Moss and the flip top. So yeah, you got a really nice lineup. You're, you're going to, you're going to, you you should be able to find something you like both nights in Fishers.
0: And you know, we may not have a Robert Cray or last year it was the, uh, the BB King blues band yeah. that was around still around after he passed away, <laughs> but uh, we don't have a big name, but what I'm hearing you say is you've got a great lineup of music.
1: Yes, and I think for and I, when I when I go up to uh, to be on stage both nights, I'm going to check in to see how many people for how many people how is this their first uh, music event since mm-hmm. since the spring since March. Um, so I mean the, the the festival has that going for it where you don't have to have a, a giant name, just the fact that you have a lineup and the, and it's available and we're able to go and and have nice weather and nice music and nice food and drink. So. Um, yeah, this 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 could turn out to be a really really exciting weekend if you uh, if you take advantage of it.
0: Tell me about your approach to your role as the MC in an event like this. You're basically in charge of keeping the show going. Talk about who, <laughs> how you approach that.
1: Um, well, I check always check in with the sound crew and the stage crew, um, making sure that the bands are ready and doing all right. Um, I, there's about a 15 minute turnaround between acts. So we're hoping, you know, you don't have somebody working on one symbol for 12 of those 15 minutes. Uh, and if they do be patient and sometimes you have the, there'll be acts and I won't, I won't name names, but we had, I remember we had somebody one year that went like 10 minutes over their time mm-hmm. and you just kind of smooth it out. You it's, if you're a theater major, it's a, sometimes you're the messenger and you hope it's not a Greek play. So if, it, if the weather is bad or if you're in this case, if you're uh, too close to somebody or if you're you know, if you think your mask is taking away your freedoms, uh, don't 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 be that guy. Don't be that person this weekend. Um, you know, make sure you mention the sponsors and make sure you mention all the right. The usual suspects. I remember the first year I emceed um, at Fisher's and I and there was a bunch of kids running around, which was really cool to see because I was guessing this was their their kind of first outdoor concert. And uh, I called the kids up to the stage. I had the mic, and as soon as I got to the stage, right at the lip of the stage, I said, "A nun and a rabbi walk into a bar, <laughs> and and then send them on their way." And, then, and you know, and and then I introduced the band. And somebody backstage went, "Are you sure you should have done that?" And I said, "If I was <laughs> really bad, I'd have told them the punchline." So you know,
0: be, oh, be, that's funny.
1: Do your job. Be try to be charming and be brief. I guess that's that's kind of. And and be prepared for anything should it go wrong. I mean, I've I've had to uh, I've emceed an indie jazz fest. I've had to go out there and call it because of rain or curfew, or curfew. Eleven o'clock is curfew. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 more than just hey, how you doing? I'm me. It's it's more than that.
0: Well, I'm old enough to remember mostly rock concerts from um, the 1970s where the MC would introduce the band. The band would then come out and start. They would actually start tuning up. And they would spend 20 yeah, minutes.
1: That's, that's, that <laughs> kind of breaks the rhythm. That's the
0: old <laughs> days. And, you know, the people pay a lot more for concerts these days. They expect a lot more. Although this is a free concert, it'll still be good. But the whole concert industry has changed so much. But I still remember those days. They were even cheaper. But, you know, you sat around forever to wait for the show to start.
1: Yeah, that's that's a bad, that's, that's not good planning. And, and unfortunately, I don't have a satin Baseball jacket to wear when I go up and MC. I I I and no, but I I remember those. I've been to those concerts as well. So you um, but no, but there. But and I've I've talked to bands that ask, you know, do you want us on stage when we begin, or do you want to walk on? Every band has their process. You know, when I MC at Jazz Fest, um, I remember there were two there were two artists I got to introduce, but I didn't get to meet. Ahead of time, and part of it is they got their own ritual and, and process to get ready to before going on stage, so they don't ha- necessarily have time. The glad hand, NPR MC guy, but uh, and I understand that. So, but you know, uh, Bonnie Raitt was one of them, and mm. uh, John Legend was okay. another. But Bo- Bonnie was the one. Bonnie played for 15 minutes, and then it started to pour, oh. and she kind of took her guitar and you know went off stage right, and I had to enter stage left, and call it because of rain and, and i i did say hey it could have been worse it could have been 10 minutes you got 50 so that's just part of part of the plan
0: <laughs> well i'm sure she's been through that before having been a you know a, war, a road warrior herself yeah. you know yeah. and, and doing this for years you mentioned this before and i, I just want to uh, accentuate this because of the pandemic we're very happy to have this concert i mean there was an announcement by the city of fishers early on in the uh, spring and summer that everything was going to be called off. So the fact we're having this blues fest is a tremendous treat for all of us. But the pandemic means if you want to get in, there will be a limit as to the number of people allowed. So you need to get there early.
1: Yes. Um, and that's just, that's just kind of, everything has an asterisk by it now. Um, I'm I'm directing a play that's going to hopefully open in, in Carmel in October Um, at the cat theater, what used to be the warehouse.
0: Been there many times. Yeah. I know it.
1: I'm doing a radio version of Neil Simon's Plaza suite and we're going to have distancing on stage and you're going to be, you know, hand sanitizer and we're going to, you know, you have the, the forehead thermometer thing. So we're going to check you before you come in. And if you, you know, if you're sick or you got a high temp, you're not getting in. Um, But I've already talked to my cast and my producers and, It could be the first week of rehearsal. It could be the night before we open. If if things go haywire, show's off. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. um, yeah, this is new territory for everybody. So I'm hoping, and I know it, will happen because I've 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 met the people of Fisher's Friday and Saturday night. Everybody's gonna be cool, be patient, do what you gotta do, you know, and and use common judgment if if you're not feeling well. And trust me, man, I got I have allergies. I'm scared to death to sneeze in public. I'm, I'm, right, I'm
0: right there with you, Mr. Sosie. Yeah.
1: You, know, you don't want to be like invasion of the body. You know, you get thrown into a black van because you sneezed outside. So, but I think everybody, everybody knows the situation. So hopefully everybody will be cool. Take their time, maybe get there a little early so you can set up camp and, uh, and it'll be fine. It'll be good.
0: Now, when's that play at the cat theater schedule?
1: That's going to run the first two weekends in October. So okay. that um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, the, I don't have the dates in front of me, but uh, okay. but yeah,
0: we'll look. For it's part of day. First
1: Folio Productions. Mm-hmm. You can also check out the Cat. They they did have a show. They did do a play. They did the last five years. Um, a, a God, I think about a month ago. So, but this is an experiment of let's see if we can do this and if we're doing it properly. I got to see uh, First Folio had. Um, a three-person show doing a medley. Uh, basically, it was Shakespeare's uh, first unpublished play, and they did it outside the Fringe Theater off of Mass Ave. Mm-hmm. And the table, you know, the seats were distant, and they were distant, and it worked out fine. It was it worked out perfectly. There were no incidents. There was no problem. So we should be able to do that on a, on a larger scale in Fishers.
0: Uh, I want to talk about the blues. One last thing on the blues: the history of the musical genre, the blues. If you try to find the history, it's very fuzzy to figure out how it all started. A lot of people believe it started after the Civil War in the South during Reconstruction. Now, my favorite blues artist of all time was Muddy Waters. I love Muddy Waters. I can listen to him all day. There are many others, but he's just my favorite. Everybody has their own favorite. But what I always think about, and I'm going to ask you this to just think about this for a moment, do you ever wonder about those great blues artists in the early days before recording was invented in the late 19th, early 20th century that we never captured and how great that music must have been?
1: And thank you, Alan Lomax, for at least getting there semi early. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, you're talking Expl- about. Yeah. Explain
0: what a lot of people don't know. Alan Lomax. I know now, what you're Alan talking Lomax
1: about. Lomax is, uh, is I think one of the one of the great giants in recording music history. Not just blues, but here was a guy who would take giant recording equipment. Not the you know not the phone and the distant and the you know the computer screens that we have today. I mean, he would lug. Uh, you know, recording equipment as big as a small vehicle and go through the Appalachian Mountains and the Deep South and, and the Delta. And they, he would record people like Lead Belly and Muddy and, and uh, Mississippi Fred McDowell. And he'd, he'd record church uh, choirs and folk singers. And, you know, down in, he'd go down to the Caribbean and, and record folks from down there in South America. So I always I always link the blues beginning with work songs during the week and church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And there's a mixture of that. Um, and, uh, you know, you take those string instruments from Africa and you, uh, you modify them when they arrive here in the United States. And of course in Muddy's case, you went from wooden to plugged in, you went from uh, acoustic to electric. Um, so I, I, for me, that's where it starts there. I, it's funny. You mentioned it. a couple of weeks ago I did a show about, um, Richmond, Indiana recordings because the Indiana Historical Society has an exhibit about the history of Jeanette Records, Mm -hmm. which was in Richmond. It's where um, it's where Hoagy Carmichael recorded Stardust, Uh, Hank Williams, the first recorded there, Louis Armstrong recorded there, Charlie Patton. I mean, it's um, it's an exhibit that's running through next August. And it was a great excuse for me to play. uh, Gosh, I did about an hour of just. In richmond indiana recordings from 1929 1930 which is on un, kind of unheard of on in the radio waves today and uh, but i was happy to be able to go that far back and and you know we have indiana history with leroy carr and scrapper blackwell and and yank rochelle and i'm hoping you know if, if people like the stuff that's going on today that they keep digging back they keep what's you know regardless of how you feel about Stevie Ray Vaughan and, and or Eric Clapton, they always cited who influenced them. And so I've always, and, and the Blues Brothers too. Mm-hmm. If you like uh, if you like these guys, check out who recorded this first and check out who influenced them first. And it's all about going back. It, or it's, it's a connection to a connection to a connection.
0: Yeah, if you look at Mick Jagger. When Mick Jagger was in Indianapolis many years ago, he didn't go to a rock club. He went to a jazz club on Mass Avenue. He went to the Chatterbox. He went to that's the Chatterbox. Right. And uh, so, you know, I, I think all the, and it, there's a great YouTube video that's out there. I love watching it. Uh, that night that Muddy Waters called up the Rolling Stones onto the stage. And
1: that was at the checkerboard on at Chicago. At the checkerboard in the Chicago, side? which yeah. no
0: longer exists, sadly, but it was, a, uh, it was a great moment in music because that was their, the Rolling Stones way of just giving the tribute to Muddy Waters and how he and other blues artists had influenced them. Yep.
1: I got, got a Muddy story for you. I worked in Westmont, Illinois for a newspaper for a couple years. That is where Muddy lived the last kind of eight, nine years of his life. Like any other businessman with a family, he wanted to move out to the suburbs. And so he, he moved out there. He had the first um, built sunk in pool in Westmont. Um, I, I did some, did a few articles about his impact in Westmont, big twists of big twist and mellow fellows also lived in mess Westmont. Uh, so did Eddie, the chief Clearwater, who was a dear, dear friend. And I miss dearly. But Muddy would play f- for free in the park, like the park amphitheater, once a year. I heard stories that if a kid's birthday was in the neighborhood, he'd go over and sing "Happy Birthday" to him.
0: Oh, that's amazing, yeah. And,
1: and guys like Mud Morganfield and jo- well Joseph Morganfield, especially Mojo Morganfield, um, you know, lived there, and, and they were able, you know. So it was. But I, I visited the house and I, I talked to the people who uh, who occupied the house. This was back in uh, nineteen ninety nine. And they would tell me that occasionally they'd open their front uh, curtains and there would be tourists in their front yard (laughs) photographing the house. And they just just grew to accept it. And and it was like Uh. a distant relative came over to the house one day. And the, the, the current occupants couldn't understand why there were pairs of screws all over the living room walls, really up high. And one of the relatives said, that's where Muddy hung his guitars. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So little things like that. But yeah, I I, I do like the Westmont uh, Blues history.
0: We'll uh we'll talk about the blues uh, fest at the end here, but I want to talk about one other thing because I mentioned earlier that you do have a a program on WFYI Radio HD2, but it's also on a podcast. You can get it at wfyi.org and other places. Yes. And that's uh, your your film podcast. I've taken in a few of them. And I, I want to just tell you that one of the most exciting things that I have had the chance to do, because I've done some some movie reviews and I've done some film podcasts with some friends, and we're starting up a new one now that the theaters are open. But the reason I mention that is that I was so excited the other day to walk into a movie theater for the first <laughs> time in months, and I went yeah. to see the David Copperfield film, and ah, I and I heard your discussion. Like I heard your discussion of it, and I think you and I have almost exactly the same view on that. I like to give, uh, I like, I like to give uh, letter grades to to the films that I see. I gave that a C plus, and I thought it was a good family film. It wasn't a great film, but it was a very enjoyable film. And maybe I, I was a little charitable with it just because I hadn't been in a movie theater for so long. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about, what did you think? Just kind of say a few words about this new David Copperfield film.
1: Well, if, if I were to grade it, I would probably give it a little higher grade than, than mm-hmm. you did. Um, what I I, I, I enjoy costume dramas. I'm. Um, I've seen them on stage and I've seen these Charles Dickens is a hard thing to read. Cause it's a lot of heartache. It's, it's yeah. a lot of, it's a lot of Dickensian angst and beatings and, you and, know, and that it's, it's like his,
0: his, it's like his life story put into these characters.
1: Right. <laughs> Something like that. But, yeah. but what has been cool over the last you know, a couple, at least a decade or so. And even, even more than that is, um, and I use this term on, on film sociology was anytime you can scrape the masterpiece theater aspects mm-hmm. off of it because mm-hmm. it's seen, And that's I like masterpiece theater and I work at PBS. I know I, I, I hear you. But, you know, it seems like every generation has to have their Shakespeare, their Charles Dickens, their Jane Austen, their Br- Emily Bronte, you know, those classic literature stories made in the films. And the fact that you got Dev Patel and you had other – people it wasn't two hours of pasty white English faces. You had brown faces and black faces and, and you know, it, it, was, it, it felt like a stage production because if you, know, if you see a show at the Globe mm-hmm. or up at Stratford or at IRT, mm-hmm. you, would, you would have a, a united colors of a cast – because uh, it's a universal story of finding your name and finding your identity.
0: I think any film. I mean, Def Patel is great in the, in the starring role, but I always think that sometimes the supporting acting is is some of the best. And you had Hugh Laurie was was uh, to me he stole every scene he till was in. The Swinton, Tilda Swinton, Hugh well. Capaldi. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, not not bad coming off the bench. <laughs> you know, that re- it really really helps when you get to work with them. So and it's Armando Iannucci who who did uh, the series The Thick of It and Veep. And mm-hmm. his last film made my top ten, the death of stalin
0: I, a very um, different film, but very good film yeah i was I was a big fan of that film as well
1: yeah so it's so um so i how how big a crowd was there in a theater
0: uh let me think it was daytime you know i'm a retired guy, it was a three o'clock showing, so it, it wasn't a very big crowd, but we got to spread out very easily
1: okay good yeah I, I've been to those when in the in, you know in the old days. Um, it was quite often I would – if I missed a screening of a film, I could go to it Friday morning at mm-hmm. a north side theater at like 10 or 11 in the morning, and it would be me with the a group I affectionately call the old, the unemployed, and the weird. <laughs> who else is in a movie theater Friday mornings at 11 o'clock? Well, the so. retired
0: – you put the retired well, in Well, that's too. kind of the old. Okay. The, the, old, well, the unemployed. Okay. Then I guess I fit that definition. Well, now tonight I'm going to see Tenet. Uh, have you seen that yet?
1: Uh, no, I have not. the The other thing is, uh, me, per, me personally, now once I get done emceeing, um, maybe I, and I get done directing a play, I might be a little more comfortable going into a movie theater. Okay. Um, they have not screened the the big big studios don't screen us stuff, and that's what kind of what we're working on is if we if there was a press screening with just members of the IFJA, the Indiana Film Journalists Association. I think we would be, some of us would be more comfortable going to it and seeing it socially distanced in our group. Okay. As opposed to the advanced screenings where they invite anybody else in. I see. Um, and so anyway, but no tenant, uh, Warner brothers did not, uh, screen that for us in advance, nor, nor are they sending us screener links. I do Mm -hmm. want to give a shout out to, uh, Fox Searchlight, 20th Century Fox, for sending me Copperfield. IFC IFC Films has also been great for sending me their recent releases that have been coming out on, on theaters and on demand. But uh, I'm just not quite ready for that yet. And I'm also in rehearsal mode. So maybe, like I said, maybe after October I'll be – I might try to give a movie theater experience another try. What's What's been interesting was when this came down, I wondered, you know, there's going to be no new movies to talk about because everything's kind of getting pushed and getting delayed. And that's where the, what I've called the grab a a pencil portion of the show has come up. I will go on Facebook and Twitter and I'll ask, I'll ask the universe, what have you been watching this week? And I'll get anywhere from a hundred to 200 responses telling me what they've watched. And I've, I've kind of basically ended the thought and the podcast by just rattling off titles for 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> and, and but I mean you know we're st- for some of us we're still stuck inside and and by the way, if you say you have nothing to
0: watch, uh-huh. you're not
1: trying hard.
0: you, you can you it's, don't have to try that hard that's true right.
1: it's, it's just, you just need to keep digging so and and I get it if you're scanning Netflix or Hulu that eventually the titles start to bleed together. I get that. But uh, I'm also Mr. Physical Copies guy, so I still, I've i plowed through a number of discs in the last six months. But uh, but it's happened with me, and it's happened with other people, where I'll, I'll get a note from somebody going, hey, you mentioned such and such a movie, and I watched it. And, and I'm like, well, then film sociology did its job. Mm-hmm. and uh, And it's the same thing with me. Somebody will mention a movie, and I'm like, I need to I need to revisit that or sure. I need to watch that so yeah you see I'm a film
0: to, after several years of not watching it and you see it again you see it in a different light don't you
1: yeah the yeah. film doesn't change you change you change I, I yeah, example exactly. I I think I think I think the big chill should be watched every five years mm-hmm. because I was 13 when that film came out and at that time I'm 13 and I was already a bit of a movie nerd but I was like okay really good performances. Vulnerable adults, mm-hmm. and I kind of felt that way when I was eighteen, and I saw it. Twenty three, I saw it, and I'd already had a friend in college commit suicide, so mm. that resonated. Mm. Then I got married. Then I had ki- a kid, and you know, and it just you it it resonates with you differently. I've I've yeah. heard people say. Uh, if you watch Ferris Bueller when you're 16, it's going to be different. You're going to have a different attitude about that kid by the time you're 50. So yeah,
0: I I, all true. I can't disagree with anything you just said. (laughs) Uh, Just want to once again, put a plug in uh, for the, uh, the blues fest, get there early. It starts at 7 PM, Friday, September 4th, Saturday, September 5th. Matthew Sosie is the master of ceremonies and he's the man we've talked to the last half hour. So any final thoughts?
1: Um, well, I, get, like I say, what I say on the show uh, on WFYI on Saturday nights. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying healthy. Hope you're staying sane. Hope you're being good to one another. And let's let's have a fun weekend of music up in Fishers. And if if I if I if I don't say hi to you from a distance, it's not it's nothing personal. I'm just I'm still working my way to, or I just want pizza. I don't <laughs> e- either one of those. So, either <laughs> So I will try to make. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll try to no. I'll try to make eye contact with everybody in the audience. I don't know. We'll just we'll just see how this goes. So, but I, but no, it'll be a good time. I can't wait to see everybody.
0: And Matthew Sosie, we'll look forward to seeing you and Fishers as well on uh, Friday, September fourth, Saturday, September fifth, the uh, Blues Fest. And uh, appreciate you uh, talking to me today. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Larry. I appreciate it.